0: Hey, welcome back to the Marking Out Network. I am your host, Dean Walker, and I'm accompanied by... I am Neil Thomas here with... Mate, (laughs) Zeke
1: and (laughs) Dana. How are you doing there, Zeke? Doing good, thanks. Yeah, how are you guys? Oh, we're doing fantastic. I know we've tried to schedule you a lot of times over the last couple months. We had technical difficulties and all that kind of stuff. I have to tell you right now, it's great that you're on our show We are the Marking Out Network. We are marking out for Zeke and Dino right now. That's what we're doing because you are coming on our show, and we greatly appreciate it. And we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right to it. But, again, thank you very much for coming on our show.
2: No, thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm glad we could uh, finally get it sorted. I'm stoked.
0: Yeah, so if you guys don't know Zeke and Dino, uh, did you – did you start your career when you and I trained together back with Seth Rollins in 2017? Or did you start a little prior? I feel like I, I started, started a little, right? Yeah, I started, a, it would have been a
2: year and a half prior. I started in March of 2016, and uh, we started training at Black and Brave in September of 2017, I believe. So about a year and a half.
0: Okay, did you start just in Australia where you're from, or were you still in the U.S.?
2: Nah, yeah, it was in Australia, local promotion, uh, about half an hour from home. Um, they just held training uh, every Wednesday and ran monthly shows. So I uh, just found them online, and um, that's where I kick-started the
0: career. Well, that's not too bad. Is it anybody not- notable that, like, we will know, or is it kind of, like, local?
2: I, I actually believe uh, Tony Storm started in that promotion. Um I don't know how long she was there for, but I'm I'm certain she started there and she was there like uh, when she was younger. And then, um, and then I believe she made the move to the UK because I don't know if she had citizenship there or family, but, uh, that's where she made like her career in the UK. But, um, yeah, started at, IP, it's called IPW, Impact Pro Wrestling
1: Australia. I mean, it seems like you have a passion for professional wrestling. You've you've been intrigued like this before uh, your whole life. What's something that you can pinpoint to say, this is what I wanted to do as a career. If you can single out a match, somebody you saw something that happened along the way that it was like, I want to make this a professional wrestling career. I want to do this. I want to beat my, my body up and sacrifice and, and do all that kind of travel all over the world. What was the first time that you can remember that made you decide I want to be a professional wrestler?
2: Yeah, I uh, ever since I was a kid and saw it on TV, like I was just, uh, I just wanted, I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. I, um, I would just religiously come home from school, uh, and I had no sense of television programming, so I thought like it would just be on like every second of the day, or, or whenever I turn it on. Then over time, I'm like, oh, it's on a Tuesday and a Friday in, in Australia so um i just watched it religiously growing up as a kid but uh to pinpoint a moment i always knew in the back of my head i'm like like i want to pursue wrestling but i thought uh wwe was like that was it i had i didn't know much about the independent scene growing up and other promotions and then the exact moment was i I just recently spoke about it I, i put an instagram post up about it it was um the 2015 Royal Rumble, uh, I believe it's a triple threat match with Brock Lesnar, uh, Seth Rollins, and John Cena. And that specific day, we had like a family friends barbecue, and I was like faking being sick to my friends. I'm like, oh, I, I can't come to this barbecue. I've got to stay home. And um, then I purchased the uh, the Royal Rumble, and the exact spot was um, when Rollins did the uh, the elbow to Lesnar through the table. And to some, I don't know what, why, because I just love Seth uh, growing. Like when he entered the WWE, and um, he just hit that that elbow, and I was just, I was like, "Wow, I've got to do this." So that instant moment, I, I picked up my phone and I was like, "How?" Like I just typed in like on Wiki, how like how do I become <laughs> a professional wrestler? And um, and then it just started coming up. with like join like a local wrestling school, Not a local wrestling school. So then I was like wrestling in Queensland, which is the state I live, in. and then wrestling promotions started popping up. Going, oh what, this is a thing. I said uh Gold Coast Wrestling Promotions, which is the suburb. And then uh IPW just popped up like it was it was like the main school and uh and that was pretty much it. Like I was still in grade 12 back then, which is our final year of high school. Uh that would have been the start of year 12 and then all that year, I was just like, I'm like, I'm in one year when I finish school, like I'm I'm starting uh, wrestling and and that's what happened. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's great. I mean, I can remember a long time ago when the first time I saw somebody got me into professional wrestling. It got me hooked. The first time I saw Ultimate Warrior was the guy who got me into wrestling. Like I was like, this is the coolest thing I ever saw, like living cartoon characters, which I thought at the time was like the dopest thing I've ever seen in my life and it was like ultimate warrior was my guy so i can understand that moment that pivotal moment in somebody's life where like this is what i want to do now my aspirations were completely different i've always been a fan i didn't think i was ever going to be a professional wrestler obviously like you did but i know dean he probably has that first instance of when he wanted to become a professional wrestler too and i think we all have that whether we're going to become professional wrestlers or we're going to become fans it's always uh that one moment that stands out most and that's actually a really great story your style as a professional wrestler is very versatile could you compare yourself to anybody currently wrestling or where do you take inspiration from and kind of put it all together and say this is who i want to be or want to be similar obviously you're going to have your own style but where do you take inspiration from yeah i uh
2: I take a lot of inspiration with Seth Rollins, uh, yeah. Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. Um, it's once I got uh, it, like into the independence and and like I got deep into that, I, I watched a lot of his old school Ring of Honor and then that uh, discovered AJ Styles and I bought his uh, Ring of Honor DVD tapes. Uh, so yeah, AJ Styles, uh, Brian Danielson, Seth Rollins, who else? Uh, I I, I love watching Will Osprey nowadays, but um, some of the stuff he he does is just out of this world, and I'm I'm nowhere near that athletic. Uh, Yeah, I got into New Japan too, and I love watching um, Kenny Omega's style uh, and how he how he goes about putting like you know structuring his matches and just the style in general. Um, So I would say that that. They would probably be the main people that I took inspiration from. There was one time where Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, where he debuted in NXT, and um, he was like real hot on the market, and uh, he had that cracking match with Sami Zayn. I, uh, I was like, oh, I want to be like Shinsuke Nakamura, and I was like uh, only a few matches in, and I started like doing the good vibrations that he. I, I did like three of his movies in a row, and uh, and then I started hearing people in the crowd saying. Oh, he's doing all the Shinsuke's moves. And then, uh, the Booker joked about it with me. He's pretty cruisy guy. And he, we joked about it afterwards. And I was like, Oh yeah, I probably need to switch up and, uh, switch stuff up. Um, so yeah, that's where I just like started to pick like one or two things from, from certain people. And, uh, but those three or four blokes I mentioned would uh, took huge inspiration from, and uh, yeah, I became a huge Omega fan from that point onwards. And everything, the how New Japan like how they shoot their shows, like the camera angles, uh, the presentation of it all. It's presented as like a sport over there, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like um, yeah, and then, and then yeah, just how they build their cards and. Um, to like to get to the main event and all that stuff
1: So you would say that style of wrestling the new japan style would probably be a style that obviously you you're more you're keen to that's the style that you want a wrestler on a wrestle like would say your style is more new japan style and that kind of that's the way you would want to present a match and lay it out
2: yeah that's yeah that's how i'd want to present it um that's the style I, i like watching but then you know with that you've obviously like you know you've got to like know your audience and, and sometimes like uh, you know there's a local uh, independent show they don't want to see some 20 minute Wrestle Kingdom match or you know they might not enjoy that style so uh, but yeah in general definitely um, but that that's like I, I still love the WWE and like you know like uh, you know when AJ Styles and Finn Balor are wrestling or like you know Rollins and and Dolph Ziggler or uh, Rollins and The Miz at Backlash a couple years ago had a cracking match for the the IC title. Like they're still like banging matches that like, I will like go study and 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 you know try and uh, take a lot from. And
0: I wanted to discuss more about the the Black and Brave training. Um, so we both trained together back in 2017. Is there any like, is there anybody there that you still? Kind of keep in touch with uh anybody still wrestling from there
2: I, I love keeping in touch with uh the guys and girls over there i uh, i jeez uh, uh in our class oh man i
0: know james He's, still wrestles uh, in fcw right now yeah I know that for yeah sure.
2: i i became good friends with uh rob and uh and then his partner uh, uh olivia uh, Dunnigan, love Dunnigan. Uh, Eddie, uh, I don't want to miss anything. And then, oh, that was the first time round. Uh, who else? Uh, Travis Titan and, and his partner Abby. Uh, and then it, the second time round was like when I got to meet a whole new crew, which um, I'd say like kind of brought it all together. And I've stayed in t- I love the yeah, staying in touch with the guys there like uh, Solomon Tupu, Jordan, um, and and that crew yeah.
1: That's great. No, Coming from somebody who never trained as a professional wrestler, how would you describe the training that Seth put you through? How hard was it? Was it – I mean, did you hate your life? Did you want to quit the business? <laughs> did you ever reach a point where, like, this is not for me? I do not want to do this because Seth is freaking killing me right now. How would yeah, you describe
0: don't, don't forget to mention the CrossFit, man. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. so
2: – um there was never there was never a point I, I thought of of quitting but that up up until that stage in my life that was by far the uh, the hardest training I've ever done um, so where I started at IPW um, we there was no ring to train and there was a show ring uh, so that would only go up at on, on a show day but uh, every Wednesday when we train at the facility um it was a part of like a gym. So we just used this like spare room that a gym had. And we used, uh I think you guys have them over there. It's like those real thin blue gym mats and they're, they're real stiff. Yeah. So we learned to bump and, and do everything on gym mats, which um, wow. kind of hardened you up. So I, I was prepared in that aspect. And with the um training that I'd done I'd like I'd learned the basics uh completely different style once I got over there but um one thing I really lacked in and I thought I I, I was half decent in was um my training like leading up I, I was like I've got to commit you know to training and I'd always gone to the gym but um in my own mind I was like oh the level I'm training at is, is pretty intense but um it was looking back it was very basic and, and standard like i had no idea how to structure a session or, or cardio i did have a pt where that would be like my one good session a week uh so yeah when i yeah when we uh when we rocked up the black and brave the uh the training was a, a rude awakening uh with the crossfit and um the intensity of it uh the cardio um yeah it was brutal um that training like that especially i, I can't i don't want to give away too much but uh that that first week or two is um, they test you. You've got to look after people. You can't just let anyone in because uh, I don't know, people get injured. So did, um, um, yeah, they really after, try to break you.
1: After the first week, did a lot of people quit?
2: Geez, we had uh, one girl. Right? One girl. Yeah, we time.
0: had
1: one.
2: Uh, I I oh, man, I, I don't re- recall too well, but we had a few people drop out throughout the class. Yeah. Um, yeah, those first few weeks, um, a couple did. I don't get it when people drop out later on. Like, yeah, like if you're injured, it, it, I mean, you can't do much, especially if it's if it's a pretty gnarly injury and you physically can't. But um, I don't get when people make it so far and then they they pull out with a few weeks left. Like, I know, I think someone in our club's pulled out with a few weeks left. I'm thinking, you've come this far, you've paid all this money and, um, and you're quitting, but...
1: It seems yeah it seems very wasteful if you could see the finish line if you made it through 80% of the training and you only have 20% left it seems it kind of silly unless there's other situations outside of their control. Uh, If it's a family, yeah. issue, they have to leave or something like that. But if you're committed, you pay all this money, you should be able to get through that last 20%. And if I went through hell and I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm damn sure going to finish the fucking training because yeah. you know you're right there. And that satisfaction, once once you're done with it, it cannot be uh topped or equaled in any way. I was going to ask you, but you said you didn't want to give much away. I was going to ask you, what, what was – the day in the life of training from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep can you go into detail about not maybe specific giving away too much but just kind of you know hour by hour maybe some parts of what you actually were doing
2: yeah no that that was just a specific uh drills that they put you through uh to test you that i didn't want to like um spoil too much but uh yeah, day to day. So we had the, the the three days of training a week, which was a I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I believe, and then um, we had three CrossFit sessions. I think it was three that uh, were required for everyone to do. So um, I try and I tried to split mine up where um, you know there would only be that one crossover day, but um, yeah. The, the, I would go about two ways. On a training day, I would either try and get CrossFit done. In, like I'd wake up, have a feed, uh, and I could just never for the life of me uh, adapt to the um, time difference. So I, I would usually sleep in sometimes, but I would I'd try and wake up early. I'd have my feed. I'd go do the CrossFit session, um, and then I would – if anyone was doing anything like activities or, or going to the supermarket or whatever, I'll, I'll join in. But, um, it was a lot of relaxing and, uh, well, I mean, it was more so recovery, not relaxing. I was trying to, you know, cause the training was so intense. I was trying to spare myself as much as I could. So, um, a lot of it was just eating, uh, watching wrestling and then going back and yeah, then you do the training. Like, my purpose was wrestling and, and doing like I, I, I mean, as you people should like took it so seriously. I wasn't there to be on a holiday. I wasn't there to go and uh, sightsee. Like it was my first time overseas, and I was like, I didn't care about anything besides uh, being the best I could every day for wrestling and uh, making sure that I was like, you know, getting the right recovery, uh, getting enough sleep, um, which I I definitely did. The CrossFit was pretty. I I love CrossFit now. I'd never done it before, but um, just such a good, such a good workout style for wrestling in general because you've got the um you've got the the your heavy lift at the start of a session uh let's say like for example these one let you like a bench press and that's like your heavy lift and then you go into like a, uh, the workout of the day which is real good like endurance and cardio and it like meshes really well with um wrestling and the athleticism you need and like the explosiveness uh getting up, jumping, you know, dropping down, bouncing right back up. Did you say what was your least favorite part of the training? I kind of just wanted to get to the end so I could start wrestling uh, like on the indies and just doing shows. But I, I a bloke, I, I forgot to mention Logan, who uh, was actually probably my closest friend uh, in that class. And he would um, very nice of me. He would, he would always uh, take me uh, in his car. Cause we both stayed at, at the house that they uh, had there. Uh, he would take me everywhere. Um, and I remember having a conversation with him saying like, man, I just wanted to, I just wanted to, because it, it was, it was so tough, like being away from like family for the first time and all that on the other side of the world in some little town. And um, I just kind of, yeah, I just wanted to get to the end and finish it. There was no thought of quitting or anything. It was just wanting to get over it and uh, and then progress and move forward. But he was just like, and I, I remember saying like, man, this this is tough. And um, and he's just like, yeah, it, it is tough. But he, he like was just like, I love it, man. Like I, I want it to last forever. I've gone, oh, why? And he just, he's just like, oh, like, man, we're not working, um, at the, like, I think he might've had a part-time gig temporarily at a—I forget the name of the place, but, uh, he had like a part-time gig, uh, for, for a stint there, but he's just like, we're not working, we're, we're, we're literally just wrestling and training every day, like, I, and I always, like, had that mindset, but I'd put so much pressure on myself that it, like, week eight or so, like, it started to get to me, I was like, damn, like, oh, this is tough, and, um, yeah, and, and like the punishment that like your body takes, like it just builds up over like a period of time because, like, the, as Dean knows, like the training's no joke there. So um, yeah, you just you just get mentally uh, worn down, um, and physically. Like physically, you're you're broken pretty earlier on. I'd say, uh, and then it just becomes a mental game. Those first, I'd say those first few weeks, like the, other than, yeah, that like two month mark where it's like, oh man, like we're two months in, like you just want to, you want to get to the finish line. Those first two weeks I was like, this is insane. And um, yeah, just that training that they do and what they put you through. Like that first night uh, after training, uh, cause I'd been there for maybe two days prior. And then um, after that first night of training, I slept, uh, I think it was 14 hours straight because that that first you only have one session whether it's considered the first week or not it's like the introduction and you go do this this one massive session and um and I slept 14 hours straight and I woke up the next morning I've gone oh my, I don't know how I'm doing this every day for the next 12 weeks have you, you suffered
1: should. any any major injuries in your career
2: no nah, breton pretty uh touch wood with with injuries just um just a typical like Niggles that any wrestler would get, like you know, like you have the typical match bonus where, like, you might have like a you know, ball back, the body stiffness. I've like landed on both my knees, like you know, awkwardly, and like you get a you get a bit of a tickle. Uh, same with like an ankle, like just landing on like and rolling the ankle, but um, nothing that's like been terrible there. It's just, yeah, just the usual injuries, I would say, and, and nothing that's kept me out of action for a significant period of time I've been pretty pretty lucky and um and if I do get injured I' try and get onto it straight away like go get a go go get an x-ray just to double check uh start a recovery process whether it's just as simple as icing it or like we have like these uh recovery pools here where the you know it looks like a freezing cold which is zero degree it'd oh, be at two degrees Celsius I don't know how it's freezing uh uh, you go in there for like four minutes and then you go into like a hot bath for four minutes. And this is like these recovery pools, which are, are real good for the body. Um, but yeah, I, I've been pretty, pretty fortunate. The, the only two, uh,
1: uh, I've had stitches twice. I can only imagine uh, being in the wrestling ring, getting hurt because that's your livelihood. That's something that you're going to put food on the table for because you're so willing and committed to do this day in and day out. Uh, I know you had a match or a couple of different matches. This was back in 2019. I wanted to talk about this. You and uh, Jesse love seem yep. to have a pretty good rivalry back in the day. Um, I know you had the, I don't know if it was the IPW heavyweight, and the unified title, it was at IPW Love and War in 2019, and uh, you had a, a ladder match with him as well. I want to know, uh, working with Jesse, how was that experience? The chemistry with you guys, because it seemed like you guys worked really well in the ring. How was working with uh, Jesse? You know, all those many years ago.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, it was great. We he started uh just before me uh maybe six or so months uh before i did and um and a little side story with jesse which is like pretty funny is um where what i think it was my first ipw show i went and watched i went with a mate and um and jesse he comes out and he has this uh like Jesse Lovey, like a love, like a gimmick. Uh, and he comes out with this baby oil and uh, he comes out and he's like squirting baby oil on everyone in the crowd and and uh, like pissing them all off. And, and he got me with it. And I was just like, I don't know why I retaliated. He did a good job because I, I retaliated uh, right away. And I just like had a water bottle and I like threw a bit of water on him. And then he stopped, turning around, like he got more bad. It was legit baby oil. And I'm thinking this is... Dog shit, you know. So yeah, I just remember like th- throwing more water at him, and um, and then yeah, man, like six months later, we're training together. But um, it yeah, it was great working with him. Uh, we had a match earlier on uh, a few months into when I first started, and we both uh, oh man, our mindsets back then, and it's funny to like look back on, but like our mindsets were like, we want to have this like crazy PWG style of match because uh, the audience would have never have seen something like that, and um, and just like what like you know jesse wears this like you know bright colors and he's got like the love gimmick and then i'm this like white neat baby face and i've got this like white gear that like stands out and like we kind of stood out uh compared to everyone else and um we just had this match where uh at the time we thought it was like it was like this awesome five-star match and it was the furthest thing from it but we came back and we had this like standing ovation and um i was like oh this is sick and uh then yeah so then a few years later um as you mentioned i was the heavyweight champions of the company and Jesse had the, the unified championship. And, um, and we just wanted to do, so our annual big show is our uh, ladder wars. And we just wanted to um, just do something bigger, I guess, like the, the titles hadn't been like unified or like not as in unified, uh, like a champion versus champion. And, um, I don't, that hadn't been like done in a ladder match in, in this company. And, uh, we, we just wanted to like do something different and get our names out there so um, and build this storyline and uh, and yeah it just worked well because yeah as like we did have good chemistry uh, it was probably instead of like the typical like two or three months matches like we built that over six months I think it was and um, and we just tried to be different uh, in, in how we built it and um, it accumulated to the, to the latter match which um, is one of my favorite matches uh to this day people still talk about it and uh to this day the match which i think like says something um you know because it's not very often especially like locally where, where i'm from like it's not very often like you know you have a match that gets bought up from like years ago too often yeah. um so so yeah well we just had that match and um and we're we just like man let's just like we just gotta take some some pretty gnarly risk and uh and go balls to the walls like uh, like I just want it to be like a Kevin Steen and El Generico like I, I watched their ladder match like man from Ring of Honor back in the day like nah, like so many times and and I saw that that package pile driver spot on on like the ladder like where they've got the two ladders and there's one going that way and I've just gone dude like like imagine pulling that off like uh, like that would just be like no one no one's done that like uh, locally as far as I know, and uh... well, to kind of
1: answered my next question. I was going to say, what's your favorite match, but it sounds like this ladder match is definitely probably your favorite match. How How is it different going into a regular match? And then when you're trying to structurally put together a ladder match, because you have a lot of moving parts in a ladder match, a lot of things can go wrong very quickly. Now, how do you go about building a ladder match as opposed to a regular match? How much more thought are you putting into this? in a ladder match or any other kind of specialty match, whether it's a steel cage match, a ladder match or whatever.
2: Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah, a lot more thought because, um, because if, if you're having a ladder match, I feel like a, there has to be some, a purpose behind it. And a reason like uh, you should, you don't just go and have like some random ladder match. So um, yeah, there was a lot more thought put into it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a lot more time. Uh, and, and as you said, a lot of moving parts. So um, you do need to structure stuff more so you do know where you're at. Like, uh, you know, you have like a normal match and you can just, you just go out there and, and wrestle, you know. You just do stuff uh, on the fly, really, uh, if, if you want to, of course. But, yeah, man, in a ladder match, yeah, there, there, there's that pressure. And uh, because you're... Have that extra pressure of trying to protect each other from legitimate ladders like they're not gimmicks uh i mean i think in the video like it, it have to it has to like for anyone to dispute the the, the ladders especially in our match um a gimmick like there's that they were as real as it gets from um our hardware store over here um, and so there's so much risk i think just we work so well together that it all just meshes, and you just start piecing it together and then yeah and and it differs from a normal match because the you know, the point is you're trying to win, climb a ladder to win a championship. So um, you're not pinning. Uh, it uh, it's weird if like you're trying to hit certain moves. It's like you're not gonna, in my opinion, like you're yeah, you're not gonna try and give someone an arm drag or whatever like in a in a ladder match. Maybe at the start, I could be completely wrong, yeah, but you know, there's yeah, certain things that you, you you're not gonna do. Um, it's like, why are you doing this when you're trying to beat the the shit out of each other with a ladder, um, and 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 you know you're trying to keep someone down for a certain amount of time that gives you enough time to to climb the ladder and grab the the title. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it for sure.
1: What's what's a match that you want to have in your career that you haven't had yet? Punjabi prison match. <laughs> that, <laughs> wow, that
2: was. That was the, uh, I think that was the first pay per view I bought with uh, Batista and the Great Carly, man. I, I, I love the idea of it. That that was kind of a joke, but also legit at the same time. Where, um, that, is, <laughs> I think it's the coolest concept, and uh, there's so much that can be done with it. But um, love to have a hell in a cell. Uh, I think that can only be done in particular companies. Um, we have a few steel cages locally here. Um, I don't know if I'd do one but I'd like to do one look like, oh, it just depends like it, it it just depends like on the audience
1: would you, ever consider <laughs> would, you it, would you ever consider you know, a death match no nah, I've considered it but
2: uh, I don't think so there, there there's some times in my life where uh where uh, you know you're like you yeah I've been in that mindset like so i I don't know how to explain it correctly but um I do a bit of uh Muay Thai and boxing, and um, I used to spar more often, but now I I don't spar too much. But there's like, I don't know if it's just like the build-up of like, uh, of you know, you have work and and, uh, uh, stress is is a bit of a a stretch, you know, like you know, just you know, life in general. And then I'm like, I just get to this point where like I'm just like, I just want to go spar and just I don't care if I get hit, I just want to, I want to go try and beat someone up, and I want to get, I don't, I want to get beat up too, I just want to. I want to feel something, and there's times like that where I've gone, you know what I'm going to... I'll do a death match, but um, I don't think I'd go through with it. That's not my... i got nothing against the style. Um, It's not my thing. Like, it's a bit too extreme, like, the glass, like the light tubes and all that sort of stuff and nails, and, uh, like, I'd be quite content just doing, like, a TLC match and having the standard, like, weapons that, like you see in, in a WWE, like, you know, extreme rules match. Um, Like, Kendo's... Sticks are sweet, and, and chairs and, and tables, and love jumping off ladders and stuff. But uh, when you start to uh, include yeah, light tubes and and getting set on fire and all that, I'd maybe do thumbtacks. I haven't done thumbtacks yet, and I feel okay. like you know that that's like a uh, one of those things that like you know you do as a wrestler. Maybe <laughs> I just I've seen uh,
1: I've uh, seen guys pull out a, a bag full of Legos, and to me that's worse yeah. than thumbtacks. <laughs> you, ever step, is, on, man, you yeah. ever step on a you ever step on a Lego and you're walking, you're like, fuck, like, ah shit. Yeah, that hurts, man. <laughs> a thumbtack, you're like, well, okay, it's annoying, but it's just it's not as hurt. Like a Lego, like, you almost want to die. Like a that'd <laughs> really bad. That'd be
0: really bad. And people can yeah, relate the Legos, so they're gonna be like, oh, I know the pain. And they're gonna be Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is that that's very true. The relatability for sure. Do you have a preference on working in australia versus the u.s is there any major differences that you notice? um and do you do you prefer to be in one or the other um
2: oh yeah the opportunities in in the u.s uh uh there's way more over there like you know it's very like obviously you gotta create your own uh state i guess but um it's very difficult. Like I don't, know, I don't even think it's possible to do like a, a four day loop here, uh, whereas you can do that every other week in the states. Um, so, especially when it comes, I mean, there's no excuses uh, in anything. Like you can always build a social media following by doing multiple things, but yeah, you know, as a wrestler, like to get wrestling content, you've you've got to wrestle, and some and sometimes doing that only two or three times a month can make it somewhat difficult. Whereas like if you're on the road, uh, four days a week, you set up your camera, like, uh, you know, you're getting four matches a week. Um, and then you can chop it up, put it out, uh, and try and get noticed. Uh, so yeah, I, I love, yeah, the States, the opportunities that they have there, the amount of promotions and like here, uh, we've only got, I'd say three or four, uh, huge companies, um, in Australia and, uh. And I noticed and those three or four companies are on, like, the radar of, like, where, uh, uh like, the, the scouts would be looking, like, I know, WWE of, um, like, that's where people, like, the Aussies that are in WWE at the moment, they've come from those promotions. Uh, well, WWE stage. is
1: WWE's actually going to Australia First. next year, Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia. The, st- the state of Australia wrestling is maybe kind of on the upswing, on the uptick. Is getting more popular than when it once was or how do you see the future of australia when it comes to professional wrestling right now
2: no yeah it's definitely it's been uh on the rise for, for many years now we've had a lot of uh people that have that have um you know been able to get eyes on on the aussie wrestling scene like uh damian slater he was oh he he's there's a lot of people that have done, you know, stuff in Japan. And da- Damian Slater's been to Japan. He, I think he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, I believe. Um, he, he got some sort of opportunity over in uh, WWE, and I believe it was the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, yeah, you've got Robbie Eagles, uh, who's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, Grayson Waller, who, who's in WWE right now, killing it. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Um. Oh, I don't know if it's their the wrestling. Uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Uh, like I just Peyton Royce just wrestled uh, a few nights ago in, in Brisbane, which is an hour away. She wrestled with um Sean Spears and for an international tour that they did. Um, I think yeah, she wrestled definitely in on the too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think
2: she did, yeah, yeah. They, they had a intergender tag match. Yep. Um, so um, yeah, it's definitely on the uptrend, for sure, um, and then, and especially with the people that have like put in the work that they have um, there's so many more names uh that I that I haven't mentioned uh, like it'd be an endless list of people that have put in hard work and then people before we started to get noticed that you know that um made made do with with what they had um and that that's what helped us get to this stage and uh, yeah I feel like it's Australia in general like man, we had the UFC earlier on in the year and that like because for us uh so Australian wrestling in general is on the rise, but then when just in general, like when we have uh, the WWE come over or USC, in my opinion for us, like it, it's like a spectacle because we don't get that every weekend. Like we have like our, our footy games, but for you guys, uh, even though like you're in like, you know, Vegas would be like the USC, like where they have a lot of their fights. Like you guys are like, you get you get to experience that, um, every weekend and like like, you're you're like you just got to jump on a flight and and, you know that easier said than done but um for us it's like yeah it's only like a once or twice a year sort of thing um and you know world series wrestling they just did that tour and we had a gcw do a collaboration tour a a few months ago and then you had impact come over here for a few nights and um like it's been this year's been huge and then leading into wwe next year and um and when they they came in 2018, I believe, for Super Showdown in Melbourne, and uh, and the night before, the local wrestling promotion runs a show, and, and that like for people that, that are on that show, like it's tough to get on, but it's just huge because uh, the scouts from WWE like they go watch that show, and um, yeah, it just it just helps so um, for sure.
1: That, no, that's fantastic. There's there's a wealth of talent down in Australia. Obviously, WWE are picking up talent, AEW picking up talent, but you mentioned New Japan wrestling. Now, yeah. you have obviously something big coming up in December. Right?
0: Yes. You're, yeah. Yes,
1: you're you're going to be part of a uh junior heavyweight tournament. Can you tell us yeah. a little about how did this come about? and your excitement level and all that other stuff that's going to go along with it, because this is actually a really big deal. A lot of people want to go to Japan and wrestle in Japan.
2: Man. Yeah. My excitement levels like uh, through the roof because that's my, it's been my goal to wrestle in, in Japan since I started and, um, and saw that Omega and Okada match. And uh, I just, and fell in love with that style. So this has been, you know, seven years in the making and, um, and endless, emails i've sent out and uh not heard back from anyone you know or you you get turned down and probably rightfully so i mean like um especially looking back back then and how green i was and i'm still i'm, I'm by no means uh great by any means but um oh I'm so excited so it came about i had a friend uh training at um just tap out which is tucker mishinoku's um training facility and he um he he lives in in Tasmania, which is a, like the little uh, state at, at the bottom of Australia. And I'll go. I've been wrestling there like uh, for a few years. Like I'll, I'll fly down every few months to, to wrestle there. And uh, great great crew there. And um and this guy like we're mates. Uh and but you know we we don't like message or talk all the time. And he just one day sent me this message and he just goes, hey man like uh like he was like would you how would you would you like to wrestle in japan and i was like if i could get you an opportunity and here this is while he was training over there just recently i've oh my god like yeah i just i was like excited but then i was also like oh man i've like not heard this i've had these situations so many times and it just turns into nothing so um i was like dude i'd, I'd love to and he just goes all right, well message uh message this this number and uh introduce yourself and, and you know send like a short resume and um And what it was, was the the junior heavyweight tournament. There's this, uh, title, the junior heavyweight independent title, I believe. And I think, I think they're retiring the title in this tournament in December. Uh, Like the winner will retire the belt or something. And, um, I reached out and I heard back a few hours later and, um, and he's just like, they were just like, yeah, like, if you want to come wrestle, um, the opportunity's there. And, uh, and that was that, like, uh, and I was like, this is, and, and the way that they do things over there, um, like, uh, it's kind of just like you say it and, and it happens, whereas like I, I, like over here it's like, do you want to wrestle on, you know, October the 1st? And it's like, yeah, yeah. And then like maybe a few days later, like, hey, just confirm on like October the 1st. And it's kind of weird if like you don't hear back from someone getting confirmation like, hey, just confirming like for next week. Um you're set and um so I was like kind of stressing and this guy was just like, nah man, this is how they do things like you're you're in and then they announced it online. I'm like, oh damn, like I guess it, it's all yeah, all good to go. And um and yeah, I'd actually I got another booking in February 1st another promotion in Japan, which I, I got prior, but um that was uh that was in the works for a while now and um but that was, uh, there were like some moving parts, like confirmation on uh, the venue and like actually making sure that the show was going ahead. So, um, yeah, I've got two things lined up in Japan now. Yeah. For people that are wanting to wrestle in Japan, I think a lot of it is from uh, just from my short experience now and being able to get those two opportunities. Um, a lot of it's like, yeah, it is kind of like if you have a connection, but, um, You've just got to go – from what I've been told, you just have to kind of go over there and get your foot in the door. Like, my mate wrestled a bloke from Japan. Uh, like, they, they flew a, a bloke over from Japan to Australia. He wrestled him, uh, so he had that connection. He got to wrestle in Japan. He went over with one booking, and um, and then within the space of, like, two weeks, he ended up wrestling, like, three or four times. Like, he apparently, like, just at the shows there uh, – people will go watch and other promoters or whatever, or like, you know, the, the boys in the locker room be like, Oh, like you should come to this show. Cause they run like 15 or 20 shows a day over there. So, oh. um, yeah, supposedly. And like, uh, so it's just like, Hey, like come to this company tomorrow. Like, you know, you we'll have a tag match or come to this one. And, and then you just, you just get your foot in the door, but you just got to go over there and put yourself out there, I guess, which is like a, 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 definitely like a daunting thing because, you spend money for the unknown, but
1: how long is the tournament in December that you're going to? Like how long is the tour for? Uh,
2: that one specific show, I, I believe that tournament is just like one, it was meant to be over two days. And I think they've, uh, they've just put it. It's just one long, like it starts at like 10 in the morning and just goes all day. Like it's just a huge tournament. So oh, like, okay. you you wrestle multiple times, but um, yeah, I, I've been in talk to a few other uh, promotions over that uh to try and sort something out so i'm hoping to wrestle a, a few times over there and and that can kind of k- kick start the uh the japan career hopefully yeah
1: wow that that's fantastic what are you looking forward to the most when you head over there besides the wrestling um, aspect of it
2: just uh the culture um and experiencing something something new um i, I want to wrestle as much as i can but the the two times i've been to america um I, I had this mindset of it was as like I mentioned earlier, like it was strictly for wrestling. I, I didn't care about. Although I got the second time round, I got to do a, a little bit more sightseeing. Um, it was strictly for wrestling. Whereas this time round, I'll be missing Christmas with the family and all that because the tournament's on the twenty seventh of December. But um, I've got I'll, I'll be flying out like early like twenty second of December or something. So I'm also just excited to go, just walk around and actually. Um, have like a a proper like a sort of sort of like a holiday and go like sightsee uh Mm -hmm. i think it'll be snowing over there um just everything yeah the architecture is just amazing um
1: yeah. yeah, it's it's important. I think when you're over there, too, because I know it's all business and obviously you want to win the tournament, but you have to embrace everything, too, because from what I've seen from every wrestler that's gone over there, they've only said nothing but great things about the people there, the culture there, the wrestling style. And it's going to be a great experience. And I think you're going to do phenomenal there. You're going to be you're going to you're going to do great. And I, I hope I hope you win the tournament. Me and Dean. Right. Hope we hope that. you win the tournament.
0: Right, Dean? yeah and if not, I mean you can always hope that uh there's some there's I don't know what they would call it in Japan, but at least maybe somebody will see you and will you'll have even more opportunity in Japan going forward too, which is even better as do they also have like uh they have what is it called like sponsors or something they'll take you out and all that do you know do you know what I'm talking about yeah, yeah,
2: I um I don't know too much about it, but yeah, just from what, what I used to watch uh, being the elite and uh. I forget who like sponsored like the young like the whole I think it was just the Bullet Club in general. Um but yeah that yeah they um yeah I mean as you said they take you out they show you like the different places and uh where where to eat and all that, where to go. I'd say like just everything in like the gym and um they kind of just guide you around.
1: That would be, be pretty cool. Yeah. It's gotta be a culture shock too. A lot of uh you know, uh, people that go there from the States or Australia, it's like, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what you're doing. You need some kind of handler, some kind of connection to somebody else, to, you know, to show you around, show you the ropes, what, who you're going to be working with, you know, and and teach you all this stuff too, because I've been to several different countries in my life. And honestly, I was scared shitless because I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. So I can imagine when you're going there for a tournament to wrestle in, it's got to be a little bit nerve wracking, and intimidating at in certain parts, but you seem really excited about it. So only good things are going to come from it, obviously. So it's going to be great.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. I I was intimidated going to America because it's just, it's like, and that's not in a bad way. It's just because it's, it's a a new, it's a new uh, environment and and, yeah. Culture. And, and, you know, speak English over there and everything, you know, so like, uh, yeah. So yeah, going to Japan, um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it will be sweet. Like, I was talking to someone about it the other day and they just said that they were, like, at, like, a train station and and I think, like, someone from, like, in Japan, like, noticed that this person looked confused and, and just helped them out. And um, so, that yeah, they seem lovely over there. And, um, yeah, it, whatever. I, I've always just thought as long, like, especially when I'm overseas, as long as I've got my phone, my wallet and my passport, like, I'm sweet. Like, if anything, like, if, everything can go wrong, but if I've got – a credit card on me,
1: uh, a phone, and a wallet, and I'm sweet. I'm, I'm going to test your knowledge of how Very much good. of an Australian you really are. Because I want to know, and you have to prove it to everybody else. Okay. Is that okay? Does that sound good? That sounds great. I don't know. I'm going to do it. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. I'm going to give you five. I had ten questions, but I'm going to only give you five because, you know, I'm going to do five. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. how many – Okay. Question number one. Let's get this official. Question number one. How many states are there in Australia? Can you name every state?
2: Yeah. So we got um, we got Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, Northern Territory and Western Australia. That is correct.
1: Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Yes, that is correct. 100 percent on that one. All right. So you're off to a great start. You're off to a great start.
2: Right, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs> all right. No, no, no. No,
2: next one. Yep.
1: All right. These these are not too hard. These are not too hard. It's all kind of general knowledge stuff that actually, by the end of this, I was really knowledgeable. All right. So what is the constellation on Australia's flag? I mean, you if you yeah. want to pull up a picture of it, you can and look at it. Uh a There is like, the, a constellation. The, 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 uh, the, Oh my God, the Southern cross or something. Like that. You actually you don't, you don't have to go any further. That's it. Oh, that's what yeah. it
2: is. yeah. All right, cool.
1: <laughs> that's what it is. All right. It's the Southern cross. I could read you. Uh, yeah, it's on the, the right hand side is made up of five white stars, four yeah. large seven pointed stars and one small five pointed star. Um, and this constellation, which only appears in the southern hemisphere, symbolizes Australia's geographical position. So, the more you know, right?
2: You learn something new every day.
1: All right. So, this is another easy one. This is question number three. What is what? Which cake is often referred to as the national cake of Australia? I think it's just a mud cake.
2: A mud cake, chocolate cake.
1: It is, but there's actually a, it's a specific name for it.
2: Yeah, nah, it does have chocolate nah,
1: icing. It is, cho- it's a sponge cake dipped in chocolate icing, icing, then roll into, uh, like coconut. But there's a there's a name for it, and it's not a mud cake. I didn't get no. It's actually named after a lord from 1896. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I, I just know Mud Cake because that's what we get from, uh, yeah, like Poles and okay. Woolworths and all that, which, um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're probably, been, what's what's the name of it? it?
1: They're called Lamingtons, apparently. Oh, lammy oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah,
2: no, gotcha.
1: Yeah, all so right. That, yeah. So, all right, so, I mean, you did get the cake right, but they're technically called Lamington, so I can't yeah. give you a point for that one, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> all right, All right. so Lamington's question number four. Anyway, so um so question number four this is a true or false question there are more kangaroos in Australia than people true or false
2: <laughs> I'm gonna say false but um I'm sure I'll be wrong all
1: right so estimated 50 million kangaroos in Australia there's actually more kangaroos than people oh my I, I yeah I wouldn't have picked that holy crap that's a lot of wow. kangaroos <laughs> um 59 Fifty million kangaroos. Now, I don't think there is fifty million people in Australia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so there is more kangaroos?
0: Yes. Yeah. More kangaroos. You better hope they don't like revolt because they could take you guys over, man. (laughs) All right, so this is question number five here. All right, so
1: Australia is home to the world's largest what? Now it's something on land. It's <laughs> very, very big, like extremely big.
2: The world's largest. It's not the world's. <laughs> I'm thinking of the big. But we have this thing called the Big Banana in Kossaba. Um, <laughs> The world's largest. Can you give me a hint?
1: Uh, um, I'm gonna tell you. It's twenty four thousand square kilometers. Um, it's larger than the country of Israel, and. It's actually I could tell you the location of it. It's in Anna Creek, South Australia. It covers yeah, 23,677 oh. square kilometers. That's 9,000 oh. square miles roughly. It, 5 almost 6 million acres. It's not
2: I oh man I I'm, I'm so useless. It's not the Great Dividing Range or whatever it's called um uh it's it, is it a road?
1: It's not a road, no.
2: Oh, okay. I, I don't know then. Yes. Is it, like, is it something to do with the ocean?
1: No, it has nothing to do with water. It's on land. Dude, it's actually... It's not a human-made thing, is it? Or is it natural? I would say it's natural, but it's actually a cattle station. <laughs> it's it's, it's for the most me. random. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I feel a bit better now. I feel a bit better <laughs> than it was a cattle station. Yeah. That is yeah. so random, bro. Yeah, it's the, the world's largest ca- cattle station. It's bigger than most countries, apparently. So it's really big. So I guess technically, did you get – you got three out of five, right? Is thats that is that Two, two I, I
2: think. I, I think it was the first two. And then I, I was pretty useless on the last Sorry.
1: Oh, well, two and a half maybe. You did say mud cake. Oh, the mud, the mud cake,
2: yeah. Surely right. people would side with me on the mud cake. All yeah, right. that's crazy. All
1: right, how about this we, bonus question? I'm going to give you one more. Yeah. All yeah. right. What year was the sport of rugby first founded? <laughs>
2: Jeez, yeah. 18, 1864. <laughs>
1: 1864. You're not that far off. It is in the 1800s, but what? it was founded um in 1823 by William Weld Ellis. Holy shit. People at rug- rugby school define the conventions of that day. The ball may only be kicked forward. So it's a very old game. Thank you for playing along. I appreciate it.
2: Nah, nah, that was good. I, I am – I am useless with history though, and that sort of trivia.
0: <laughs> Yo, Zeke, I know. Uh, I know he usually wraps up with it, but I did have a question. Um, and I know the visual people uh, who are not just listening to it can see where can they find your uh, your merchandise. You have the uh, Dark Horse.
2: Yeah, uh, that's just um, DarkHorseLifestyle.com. Um, I have an Instagram page, Dark Horse, Dark Horse Lifestyle uh the links in there um yeah kind of in a rebranding phase at the moment like sticking with the same meaning but um just trying to be more efficient with um where i get source source the clothing and and come up with some new designs and some yeah dark horse lifestyle
0: no that's dope no i remember when you first started coming out with it uh a couple years ago it seemed it was a little while ago and i was like man that's pretty sick i like it do you do you know why why the dark horse do you know where you got that from uh dark horse is uh
2: for people that like don't know the, like the meaning of like a dark horse is is an underdog and um i've i guess i've had the the underdog mentality but i've also like kind of been considered one um like whether it was when i was playing footy like small i was like the smallest guy on the footy field um but i just would always just have a crack i guess like didn't have the best skills or anything uh I just just have have a dig. it's relatable. Um, it's for those who are overlooked overshadowed um, but they just don't give up like they always just emerge to prominence and um yeah, they just keep having a crack that's that, that it's it's more of a mentality. yeah, yes you just don't give up no matter what the obstacles are.
1: Thank you very much for coming on our show, Zeke, I appreciate it. you've been fantastic. you've been a really good sport. I know this was a no, long time you. coming. I think we learned a lot today. We learned a lot about you. We learned a lot about Australia and I hope we could do this again uh, soon. We can't wait to hear about your tour, your two tours in Japan. So next year, hopefully you got to put us down. We're going to, you're going to be on the show again, God willing. And you're going to come on you're going to tell us all about it. Cause we can't wait to hear about it. So thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. Nah, thank you guys for having me.
2: Like uh, I truly, uh, I truly do appreciate it. Like it's a great opportunity to, to have a chat and, uh, yeah, I, I thank you guys for uh, giving me a platform to, um, yeah, just have a yarn and uh, get some of my story out there. And yeah, I'm, I'm stoked that we could finally sort it out after all this time. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you. I'm very appreciative of your time and the opportunity.